All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on the 25th day of September 2018. I'd like to remind you each week that I am the editor of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, Jay Taylor's Energy, Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and... Uh, you can subscribe to that letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. I'd like you to consider uh, checking out Chen Lin's work as well, and Chen will be a guest with us during the second segment of today's show. Chenpix.com, chenpix.com is the place to go. Chen has some very interesting ideas that he'll share with you in a little while about uh, in the biotech sector, and he's got an energy st- a stock or two and a gold stock or two that, uh, if time permitting, he'll be um, running by you as well. Do you want to thank you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel, and also want to thank you for sending along your questions and uh, comments to uh, questionsfortaylor at gmail.com, questions and number four, number four, questions for taylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors because they make this show economically possible. RN Resources, Genesis Metals Corp., Great Bear Resources, Novo Resources, and Sandstorm Gold Corp., uh, Sandstorm Gold Limited, excuse me, are the sponsors for this week's show. I've titled today's show, An American Decline is Not an Apocalypse. Alistair McLeod, Michael Oliver, Chen Lin, our return guest this week. Apocalyptic thinking and prepping is common among some libertarians, while complete annihilation is always a possibility given humankind's self-destructive nature. Overreaction may also be a form of self-destruction. Certainly, we are on the verge of some major adverse changes, in my view, at least in America. And from what I can see, the very negative direction uh, for America is being caused by an underlying economic and moral depravity promoted not by Russia or Iran or China, but rather from an enemy within. As Cicero wrote back in 58 BC, and I quote, a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he knows, for he is known and carries his banner openly. But the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely, his sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in, a, in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the basest to the baseness that lies deep within the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. 
he infects the body politic so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. The traitor is the plague, end of quotes. Well, given the uh, false accusations being made, I believe false accusations being made against the Trump administration with regard to Russia, more recently the president's Supreme Court candidates, uh, most likely seeming to me, false allegations being made there as well, and uh, an untimely, uh, uh, just American people who voted, uh, really, I think th- these are crimes against the, the system itself because, after all, Donald Trump, like him or not, was elected by the people. So essentially, the people that are looking to undermine Trump are underlying the people that voted for him. What this shows tries to do is to alert our listeners to impending economic, moral, and spiritual issues so that we can be as prepared as possible to face the dark days that might lie ahead. While we want to prepare for the worst, as I just noted, overreaction can also be destructive. And my main guest, Alistair McLeod, thinks that we might be better served to consider more likely less drastic outcomes in our lives, not if, but when America, the American empire uh, bites the dust or at least heads into a decline. I'm looking forward to hear what Alistair has to say from a recent article that he wrote, recently wrote titled, An American Decline is Not an Apocalypse. In just a few minutes after the break, uh, as I mentioned, Chen Lin will be with me to talk about some of his favorite picks. He is uh, just returning very shortly from the Denver Gold Show, where we'll be speaking to him from. Uh, but right now, I'm really happy to have Michael Oliver with me uh, for um, for something special today. And I might just mention, as I always like to do before we say hello to Michael, go to OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com to, uh, to check in uh, to Michael's work. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's really good to be back, and especially good to be back today because you have a new product that I think is especially designed for many of the people that listen to this show, uh, because many of the people that listen to this show, if not most of them, are interested in gold and gold mining. They are uh, not all that convinced that the dollar and uh, uh, fiat currencies are the best uh, kind of system, and so they're looking for ways to protect themselves against the carnage that many of us believe lies ahead. That takes them to gold and silver in various forms. So I'm really pleased to know that you've designed a product that is a newsletter, a very well-priced newsletter, very um, affordable newsletter for people like me who are really gold bugs, who really care a lot about uh, the gold market. So uh, tell us about uh, your new service, Michael. Well, it's uh, it's far cheaper than our standard one, <laughs> which is primarily for institutional and high net worth investors, so it's not a normal retail price for that. But the gold, silver, and mining letter, which is what we call our new new report, we started it a few weeks ago, uh, we'll focus on those markets. So on one, that's area of asset category, uh, rather than all four major asset categories. Mm-hmm. I think it's a particularly timing, uh, the timing of this is important, because I think gold is at the inflection point to head back up. And this time, I think it heads back up for an entire new upleg <clears throat> from this recent several-year congestion zone, which most mm-hmm. of which has been well above the low, which occurred in late 2015 at 10.50. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's ready to go. And I think that uh, what we're trying to provide is our own unique technical analysis. It's not simple price bar chart analysis. That's you can get right. that anywhere. But it's the momentum structure of intermediate and long-term trends of gold, silver. We even ran platinum last week, 
which is in a unique situation right now. And we also closely watch the gold miners, uh, including relative performance of the gold miners, meaning you don't just uh, which ones do you want to own, which ones are performing better than others within a mm-hmm. within the category. So that's what we do. We do it constantly, and it's technical, and it's our own unique technical work. So we're hoping to become, uh, in this next great bull market in gold, uh, a well-known gold technical letter. There are many very solid fundamental research reports out there, including your own, uh, that, that provide information on gold, gold miners, and so forth on, from a fundamental point of view. But we want to become uh, a, the prime technical gold report. Um, and so I, if somebody would like a sample, just go to our site. There's a, a, a box for samples. Request it. You'll get some samples. <laughs> that's like great. That. I mean, uh, that, that's really good. And, and Michael, I'm looking at the report you put out on September 23rd. Uh, it looks, I, I might just mention to my listeners um, that it's very easy to understand what Michael's doing. He shows you pictures uh, and you don't have to really understand the technical analysis in depth as Michael does, uh, but he sort of just lays it out for you and tells you what are important price levels at a given point in time. Uh, for example, I'm looking right now, Michael, at your September 23rd report, and um, maybe you just talk about that because as I look at the momentum chart that lies below the price chart, it looks to me like we've kind of broken out above a, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. above a resistance level. There. It, it has. Uh, when you break down into an intermediate trend, uh, such as measuring price versus a 10-week average or price measured against, oscillated against a three-month average, those type of time scales, not annual, not, not looking out way long term, but looking mm-hmm. for the terms. Uh, gold has already done enough goods for itself technically. Uh, forget the price charts. I'm talking momentum now. To indicate that recovery is underway. Uh, this week we expected to be a dull week in many markets, including the precious metals. So far, it's, it's been fairly dull. The other two markets we're watching for, for affirmation of gold upturn is uh, across silver and the GDX, the gold mining ETF. Mm-hmm. And they're behaving stronger than gold this week, and they're pushing toward what we define as, and, and these numbers change week by week, but what we define as uh, the beginning of recovery numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's underway. And once I see the silver and the GDX join with gold, uh, I think we'll just sit back and <laughs> watch the recovery unfold. There's going to be layers of resistance on the way up. Uh, gold's not just going to go back up into the mid-1300s and blow through the, the horizontal resistance of the last few years up there. There'll be layers on the way up that it'll have to deal with. Uh, one of them, we think, is around 1260. Mm-hmm. But the, to get the process going is all we're concerned about, and I think we're we're on the cusp of that. I think October will exhibit that, and we'll be able to measure it and put some numbers on it. Yeah, I, I mean, it really is very clear. The momentum uh, is a different picture most of the time than the price charts, mm-hmm. and the price charts mm-hmm. is what most people are seeing. And that momentum, uh, that's what everybody sees, and the momentum work, and it's your momentum, it's your proprietary momentum work, uh, and uh, that allows you to see, you know, have a sense of the under, the undertow of the market, like what, what is really going on as opposed to what appears to be going on more superficially in the price, I would say. So mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, I've, I've become very confident with your work, Michael, and, and the constant updating of it, which is very helpful. Uh, it's uh, very reasonably priced. I, what is it? Is two hundred ninety nine dollars a year? Yeah, two ninety nine uh-huh. a year. And you'll be sending out. But two hundred ninety nine dollars okay. a year. Well, I, I wouldn't expect two dollars ninety nine. You can't. <laughs> no, you can't sneeze uh, for that anymore. But 
Okay, so uh, you'll be sending out reports, I suppose. How often do you think? Oh, more or often, less. Uh, we we guarantee seven to ten a month, but it's more likely you'll see more than that. In fact, we've put out three reports just in the last week. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in general, at least two a week, probably, but uh, mm-hmm. often more. Uh, the weekend will always be a weekend report, but then we put out reports and we see something that needs to be addressed. And, yeah. uh, for example, we, we included platinum last week because platinum uh, has made new lows. Uh, and our, one of our comments was, all these people talking about gold making new lows, why didn't it simply go down with platinum and make mm-hmm. a new low, which platinum mm-hmm. did recently? The problem with platinum is that when it made the new low, it grossly non-confirmed on long-term momentum and is now trying to flip back up, and it won't take uh, too much flip up in platinum to turn it totally around, uh, uh-huh. and probably in a slingshot manner. Uh, so even even that uh, worst performing of the precious metals is uh, looks like it's making a turn now. All right, so we're uh, the precious metals looks very promising to you, and uh, that's part of your thinking for starting this new uh, this new product, this new newsletter. Uh, and I'm very grateful that you're doing that, Michael, because I think it will allow a lot of my listeners to subscribe uh, where they might not be able to pay the higher price. It's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. With just a minute left to go, uh, Michael, just a quick comment perhaps on the equity markets right now. Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're behaving much like they did in uh, – we, we've said this months ago, in fact – uh, in fact, I saw a report echoing this in the financial press the other day, much like the 2000 top and the 2007 top, where you had a, a high early in the year, a sharp retreat, and then a secondary high later in the year that uh, in, in, uh, came back up to the highs or made a marginal new high. We're behaving much like that, and momentum indicates that the market effectively is out of gas. Also, uh, note that the, quote, new highs we just made, NASDAQ 100 did not make a new high. PNQI, uh-huh. the ETF of the leadership stocks, did not even approach its highs. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. relative performance, the leadership, where the leadership is focused, you know, the FANG stocks and so forth. Sure. Uh, they're not leading anymore. Uh-huh. Not, nobody's very commenting on that, or not many. And I think it's very important that the leaders are yeah. wounded. And so uh, that's, that's an internal indication, I think, that the market is, in fact, arduously, is the term we use, topping. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it go with that. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for being with us again, and uh, we'll look to do it again next week, hopefully. Thank you, Jay. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Well, uh, don't go away. we got a commercial break, but right after that, Chen Lin will be with us. He has some very interesting ideas to share with you. We'll be right back with Chen Lin. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Novo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me, once again, my friend and colleague, Chen Lin. And Chen uh, has been on this show a number of times, not nearly often enough, I might add, but uh, really glad to have him back again. Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and you're talking to me today from uh, the Denver Gold Show, I guess. And um, um, how, how are things out there in terms of gold? Is there a lot of pessimism, a lot of... Uh, People feel like uh, you know maybe they should just give up on on, my, on uh, gold mining. Well, the the, the conference is well attended. You know, uh, I I met so many people, and there are not many new ideas. Okay, a lot of those are just old uh, companies. You gave an update. You talked to Nanjing. Went through many many meetings. Uh, in general, people some people are pessimistic, as you said, but some people are optimistic. Right? I, I'm I'm there. I'm. I went there with open mind and trying to look for opportunities. That's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm good at. So I, yes, I went are. through the conference. I, I can tell you uh, one of the great opportunities seems to be a novel resource that's mm-hmm. been discussed many times on your radio show, and then we discussed that before. Yes, and I think you uh, spent a fair amount of time with Dr. Quentin Henning, didn't you, when you were up there uh, at the, at yes, the show exactly. at, the, at Beaver Creek? Yes, he graciously gave me uh, two meetings. We went through over an hour uh, to go through oh, every aspect of that. I think there were excitement. I mean, from the management, there was exciting announcement because they just acquired, they had been looking at this for years, and then they finally announced they're closing another deal on the east side. Right? The significance of that deal is the deal uh, is has production license. Think about it. Right now, the deterrent at Purdy's reward, as all the other places, uh, they need to pr- to apply for a production license. Production mm-hmm. license require you need to work with the Aboriginal to give them a royalty. You need to have a resource report to prove that you have a go there, which is actually you know it's the most difficult part of it because it's very negative. Right? Yes. Uh, so the good analogy for Novo's claim is like diamond. Right? It's a lot of nugget, a lot of nugget there. Yeah, and, and then you need a, you really need a mine to trial mining to give you the confidence to go there. And then they were a couple of years, at least a couple of years away from their current con- concession. Now they have this one. They've been going after for years, and then they have mining license on that. They can go try mining next year. Next year they can be a producer. And that's great news. But unfortunately, the video broken. 
right, on the Internet. Last year, Lenovo Resource exploded when they showed the video. But this year, the, the Internet is not working somehow. They, 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 those, those older traders are waiting for the video, didn't see anything, so they sell it down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we were... Lenovo was down 20%. Yeah, we were told, actually, that there would be a live feed for Quinton's address there. And uh, then there was nothing, and, and uh, the website said you're going to have to wait a few days before it's available. So I guess that was a disappointment. Uh, Chen, uh, this, the, the, um, the deal they just did, the new ground where they have the license to go ahead and mine, um, is that quite a ways away from uh, Purdy's Reward and, and Comet Well, the two areas that they had been exploring? It's uh, some distance. It has uh, at the eastern end of the basin, okay? And then, yeah. But they have been following, because they, uh, they signed the agreement, exclusive agreement, six months, right? So can, they can watch uh, the claim owner mining. They can see how did they, uh, attack, how did they mine those, how did they get the gold out, and they, can, they even went there to pan the gold of their tailing. Make sure the gold there is consistent with what they have in Purdue's reward. Actually, they're not getting a little bit bigger than Purdue's reward, which is kind of interesting, but it's very similar. So then they got that with the license, and then they can immediately, they can mobilize and start mining next year, and uh-huh. have the revenue come in. You know, and they, think about it, 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 the grade there, minimum is half an ounce per ton. You know, where you find this kind of grade, open pit? Uh, that, of course, that's to be, that's to be established yet. We don't know that, do we, Chen, yet? I mean, the, the half a half that, a. But, but yeah. so far, they've been a few places that have been done at least or higher. Right? So now you're talking about the new ground that they just acquired through this acquisition, right? And they own 100 percent of that, Chen. They own 100 uh, percent. They have a, some royalty to Aboriginal people, which you mm-hmm. need to do that when you apply for sure. the production license anyway. So, but they already come with production two production license. They can get to the you know they can shop already. Right, they can mm-hmm. start, and then they, they use so they made a lot of pro- progress in how to separate those uh, nuggets. So right. it's all there. They've done years of research. It's getting close. So all right. Well, that's a very good opportunity to pick up some Novo shares. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think you indicated you might be doing that today, and I know I, I picked up a few after I talked to you yesterday. Uh, well, anyway, I'm really happy uh, that you got a chance to talk to Quentin. He'll be coming on this show sometime in the near future, I'm sure. Uh, it's, uh, I'm happy about that, Quentin, uh, because, you know, Chen, I, it's still my largest holding, and I'm very pleased. Uh, okay, let's get on to a couple of the other ones you went, uh, you met up with. I guess Camino Minerals uh, trades in Toronto, COR is a symbol. It's around $0.14, cents, only 57.6 million shares. So it's a very low-cap company there, a Peruvian uh, copper target, I guess. Uh, Los uh, Chapitos, I think, is the name of the property. Is that what do you know about that, and why are why why do you want to highlight that one? Uh, this stock is not just copper. Copper, they also have some gold. Okay, and then it used to be over two dollars. Uh, I think a year or two ago. Yes. And then they came straight down because you know investors seems lost interest of that project, but. But they continue to do the work. The management was very smart. They raised money when the stock was much higher. So they had money. They done all of this groundwork, and now they seem to have to find where to, you know, where the big target is. And they seem to have a target all over the whole mountain. Potentially, they can start drilling very soon. Very good. Uh, so we can and look for the, some news. And then uh-huh. the stock is a very simple story. Uh, and then uh, what I like. Uh, 
Ken McNaughton, who was who was running the company, he's the largest shareholder. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I like this kind of situation. And an honest guy, and then put his money on the line, and uh, you know, uh, the same as shareholder. Yeah, he is has a very good reputation. A very a very solid geologist. Uh, very well regarded. I know in the uh, among the community, the mining community. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about that one? I think it's you say it's got some gold too, right? A gold, copper. I know it's yeah, in the IOCG I belt. I just, want to, I just want to mention that it dropped. The stock dropped more than ninety percent in the past yeah. year. And then, uh, from, you know, uh, the investors for there's no hope. You look at the market caps, but there seems to be seems to be on the edge of the discovery. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's that's one we'll have to keep our eyes on. Uh, all right. Switching uh, into the uh, biotech sector, which is one of your strong points, I would say, where you've made most of your money in the last couple of years, right? So, Oncosec Medical, ONCS, uh, $1.53 in U.S. money, fifty-one only 51.9 million shares. I guess that's uh, they're looking really to develop a, a novel immunotherapy cancer treatments, right? And, and what can you tell us about this one? Yeah, exactly. Uh, last time I mentioned the stock was trading like 10, 15% lower. I'm glad maybe some of your listeners and some of my subscribers that they start picking up the stock. It, it look at from what I've seen. I've been in biotech for so many years. This looks like a kind of no-brainer. Uh, I, I visited them about a week ago. Uh, they have an office, very humble office in Pennington, New Jersey. Uh, and I met oh, the management and the team. It's a very interesting company. The story is very short. Okay, put it very short. right now. The market cap is about 100 million. Last time we talked about it, 90 million, not 100 million. Okay, they try to enhance uh, the cancer treatment, right? So well, they have two JV, okay, uh, uh, two joint research of sponsor by Merck. Okay, one is mm-hmm. for the tuberculosis breast cancer, one is for melanoma. Okay, so either uh-huh. of them successful, uh, it was at least one billion. Uh, why? Because there was already a case this year. Eli Lilly bought a company competitor of theirs, Armo, for 1.5 billion cash. Okay, uh-huh. so they're doing those two trials. Uh, the initial data will come out at San Antonio, which is early December this year, and then uh, major data will come out. One is the first half of next year. One second half of next year. So. You know, too short on go. They're fully funded. They recently done financing at dollar fifty, no warrant, right? Last time we talked about it, we're trading at below a dollar fifty. Now we're trading above a dollar fifty. It's just a fire. You, you basically the largest shareholder. You, you buy it today is the same price as largest shareholder. Put in, just put in like a few few months ago. Why is a few months ago? Why is a few weeks ago? So mm. it's a you know it's a very interesting situation. And you know these people quite well, I guess. Uh, and that's one of the things I should tell my listeners, uh, Chen, is that when you get involved in these companies, you are very involved with them. You learn to know the managements. Uh, you look them in the eyes. Uh, you can sense uh, a lot about them and their personalities and stuff. These are intangibles that don't doesn't show up in the in the stock chart. But uh, I mean, you can't see them from the from the tech you know from the technical stuff or from the scientific data, but the intangibles and the people, you learn to know them very well. I think that's very important. Well, with uh, just a couple of minutes left, I want to ask you about Valera Energy, VLE, uh, trades in Canada under that symbol, 86.1 million shares, $4, uh, a little over $4, Canadian earlier this morning, an oil and gas exploration company, producer as well in Turkey, Chen, or just exploration? 
uh, it's exploration we're now going to produce probably next year, getting the uh, mm-hmm. producer status. Uh, their, uh, their partner is the largest uh, Norwegian company, Lagrana Logic in the world, Stat Oil. And the last time we talked, I was buying a $3 Canadian, uh, just about $3, now it's $4. I'm glad it went up like 30%. I hope some of you listening to pick up some share the three. Uh, the recent news was there's a uh, uh, geopolitically, with Turkey, U.S. seems to be getting a little bit better, and people seem to be in better mood invest in Turkey. Okay, that's one of the things. Another was uh, when they, they, have, they start with test one. Okay, they start test one. Uh, they reopen up the four zones to start to produce. At the beginning, produce, production was not as good as people thought, so there was a little bit people uh, worry about. But I talked to management. It seems that they, uh, people worry about water. They, they don't believe it's the water. There are any water there, but they need more time to test it. So they, uh-huh. you know, they, they all, all these stuff, you know, juniors go up and down. You just need to have a good spot to buy, buy low. Right, and you have to be patient sometimes. That's, uh, another, that's another thing you have to do. Well, Chen, uh, we're just about out of time. If you can, maybe 30 seconds or so, tell us a little bit about uh, as, uh, a Casti Pharmaceutical. Uh, they're involved with cardiovascular disease uh, approach and uh, novel approaches to uh, to helping out with those problems. What can you tell us real quickly about uh, yeah, the, the, about Acasti? Exactly. Thanks. Yeah, this stock I invest in for five years, so I know this very very well. I know the space very very well. Uh, this Monday, there's a big news uh, that came out. Right, it called reduce it. So what they found was found that they can by taking those uh, lower cholesterol drugs, you can reduce your heart attack by twenty five percent. Okay, before. Uh-huh. The Akasi was a nightmare for investors because they undercapitalized. No investor wanted to put money in. They have thought that the market is saturated. Now you see you can reduce heart attack by 25%. You know, the immediately opened up. This is like a Lara moment when Lara was trading at $1. Right? I told it to ever that's the time to buy. This is the same because at that moment, this uh, Akasi value has increased at least 10, 20, 30 fold. But market doesn't appreciate that. They only increased like 30, 40%. And the company needs to do a financing. My advice is wait a little bit, let them do financing, and then you use your, take a spot to, to pick up your share, buy more shares. All right. Is, it, is this the company that uh, uses Krill? Yes, uses Krill. That's a major difference than what they have in, we have in the market right now. Uh, scientifically, uh-huh. because they're in there for five years, I know that they're just six times more effective than fish oil. Okay, so it's easier to be absorbed by the human body. Because I see. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it go at that, Chen. Thanks so much for sharing your, your insights and your knowledge about these companies. Uh, always a pleasure to have you with us, and we'll have to do it again sometime real soon. Uh, thanks again. Well, folks, we Thank do have to go to break now. Don't go away. Alistair McLeod will be with us to discuss the next credit crisis and the most pragmatic way to prepare for it. And I'll be right back with Alistair McLeod, so don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
often referred to as one of the best teams in junior gold exploration, having discovered a 5 million ounce gold mine and sold a second company amidst discovery, the management behind Orin Resources now has a world-class exploration portfolio within Canada and Peru, projects that give the company one of the largest direct pipelines for major discoveries globally, with one of the deepest technical teams to explore them. Entering into its third year of aggressive pursuit, Orin is expecting results from two of their major projects throughout the rest of this year. For the latest, head to orinresources.com and subscribe. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Alistair McLeod. He is uh, one of the most frequent guests, one of the most frequent main guests. Uh, Michael Oliver is with us almost every week to update us on the markets, and he's uh, for a few minutes. But uh, Alistair is one of uh, the most frequent main guests because his grasp of market realities and history ring most true to me, at least. And uh, after all, Truth is what we're looking for in this show. That's what we try to find, what is really true, not what you're hearing every day necessarily in the mainstream media, but let's try to examine, use our own our own brains and minds and, and uh, then search out people like Alistair who have something special to, to help us with. Uh, you know, he has a background as a stockbroker, banker, economist, and he is a senior fellow at Gold Money Foundation, and he writes, uh, at least I think almost every week, I, I pick something up from Alistair at goldmoney.com. Thanks for joining me again, Alistair. That's my pleasure, Jay. It's always good to have you with me. And uh, that uh, British accent, of course, that's, uh, that's, that's welcome as well. It might not have been in, it might not have been in 1776, but it is now. So <laughs> <laughs> I won't drink tea. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Alistair, uh, you know, you, I get your emails and it, it alerts me to the articles that you write. Um, and can people just go to goldmoney.com to pick that up? Can they get on the list, on the, on the email list, so that they're sure to get your articles when they come out? Um, but the best way to do it, I mean, basically, the reason you get an email from me is I have a few personal uh, friends who oh, I, 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 I send it to. Um, but it's published every Thursday uh, okay. in sort of, I suppose, late morning, early afternoon, um, on Eastern time. Yeah. Um, and if you go to, to the gold money website, um, click on research mm-hmm. insights, and that is where you will find it. And I Excellent. also do a market. I also do a market report on Friday. 
oh, which okay. uh, for, for, for people who have positions in precious metals might uh, be useful as a slightly different slant perhaps on some of the other stuff they read. Wow, thanks for telling me about that. I don't know, for some reason I wasn't aware of that, and I'll certainly take advantage of that. Uh, thanks a lot for that. Well, I'd like to focus uh, our discussion today on three recent articles that you posted at Gold Money, uh, which I think our listeners uh, should really definitely read. If they go there, they can pick them up, because you do have an archive uh, service there. So one of them is Hong Kong and the Road to Recovery. That was the, your latest, one of your latest ones, I think your latest one. Um, and that was uh, on the 20th of September. On the 14th of September, you wrote an article, The Dollar is Central to the Next Crisis. And then uh, the, we sort of named our, our show today after the other one, Apocalypse or Not. Uh, <laughs> and that was uh, uh, September uh, 6th. But um, I'd like to start out uh, the Hong Kong and Road to Recovery. It's subtitle, uh, We Are Following the Road to Partition. My goodness. And I, first of all, I... Um, with regard to your to that article, uh, I had to look up the word. I don't use the word partition very often, so I had to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> and the definition I found uh, was it related to Christian theology, a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and impenitent person passes after death, uh, eternal damnation. Uh, my goodness, that's that's pretty it's, strong. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm, pretty I'm, strong. Quite, I'm, I'm quite sure that you are not referring to the Christian theological concept as much as probably uh, rather more to do with our economic well-being and and facing uh, some of the repercussions of our economic sins of the past. Uh, is that more in line with what you had in what you had in mind? And if so, yeah. uh, can you talk to, about our transgressions that uh, our economic transgressions, our monetary transgressions, if you will, committed in the past and what they're inver- what invariably is going to take place as a result yes i mean basically um i used the uh, the word perdition um because i thought it was a pretty good parallel i mean you're uh-huh. right it was originally uh, um you know a religious reference but um we've rather like sort of dante's inferno you know we're we're sort of um you know we, we we've printed money to the point where the amount of debt which is the other side of the bank's balance sheet is now so enormous we're going to get drowned in it drowned as opposed to burned in the fires of hell, perhaps. But you can see that um, uh, every uh, credit cycle crisis that we have gets more serious because the burden of debt every time is far larger. And uh, if you look at the way the debt has accumulated around the world, uh, in governments, business, and in consumers, um, uh, you know, consumer debt as well, um, it's increased from uh, under 200 trillion, it's an estimate, uh, which I th- which one of the main accounting firms produced, <laughs> um, to around about 250, 260 trillion today. And, um, you know, every government is uh, still borrowing like crazy. I mean, the whole sort of Keynesian idea originally was that free markets got themselves into a mess and that's why you had, you know, the business cycle. And government had a role rescuing uh, free markets from uh, their own follies by um, deficit spending in the early stages of a recovery. And once you got a bit of recovery, then you would pick up, uh, you know, the tax, uh, tax take would increase and, uh, so over the cycle, you would balance your 
budget. That was the whole right. original Keynesian idea. We've gone from that completely. I mean, oh, yeah. it's now it's now deficits the whole way through, and um, there is an inflationary cost in this. Um, it's not an even story. I mean, you don't sort of you know print a dollar and then sort of inflation goes up you know, a notch. No, um, it uh, you've got a sort of reservoir which I would, well, I would call asset prices, if you like, an inflation reservoir. Right, and, right. And uh, what happens is that you print the money, you inflate the prices of assets, financial assets. That inevitably begins to inflate the price of other assets, and uh, property is a very good example of that. And um, also business assets. Um, and so consequently, you find that inflation starts in uh, the fight you know, on Wall Street, as it were, it then moves into Ma Main Street, the pace at which it moves is not necessarily even. And even worse than that, uh, the st statisticians in the government don't record inflation properly. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, I'm putting aside one fact, and that is that one man's inflation is not another man's inflation. You cannot actually define the general level of prices. Um, but the statisticians that try and do this deliberately under-record it. Uh, mm -hmm. For why? Because there are various government expenses which are tied to the rate of inflation. And the higher that you admit inflation is, the more those expenses impact on government finances. So you can see there's a vested interest to try and keep um, the official rate of inflation low. Um, the current rate of inflation in America is probably closer to 10% than 3%. Um, and uh, if you accept that statement, which Again, I can't back it up, but I mean, there are, uh, you've got John Williams uh, yes. producing a figure like that at Shadow Stats, and you've also got the Chapwood Index, which is put together by an, Ameri uh, an American fund manager, I believe. And they're saying the same thing. It's 10%, not 2%. Mm -hmm. Now, um, it depends where you live. It depends what you buy and all the rest of it. But the right. fact of the matter is it's far higher than, the, than is officially admitted. Um, so we had a situation where, um, purely in monetary terms, if you look at the real um, uh, um, uh, rate of interest adjusted for inflation as it really is, we're on sort of, I don't know, minus five, six, seven percent. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is um, uh, negative interest rates in real terms. So you've still got the stimulus going through. Now, what the answer is at the end of the day, I don't think there is an answer to it. I mean, the fact of the matter is that we've got ourselves onto a credit cycle which we can't get off because the central banks uh, try and do the Keynesian thing of printing money to rescue the economy, encouraging banks to print money to invest in business and help the consumers spend and all the rest of it, um, and help the government spend as well, for goodness sake. Uh, and then, um, you know, they just don't stop borrowing. And so sooner or later, this crisis is going to just get too big to handle. There was a moment during the Lehman crisis, and I think you must have felt this as well, mm. uh, um, Jay, yes. that, yeah. uh, you know, where the whole thing um, was going to fall over and we yes. were going to have, we, you know, the banks were going to be gone, the whole system would be completely destroyed. You had that horrid moment where this was a possibility. Well, just imagine with all the extra debt that's been accumulated since then right. on the next credit crisis, how we're going to feel. It's going to be even worse than uh, at the time of Lehman. Yeah, magnitude worse. And, you know, as David Stockman has pointed out on this show, uh, here we are at supposedly at the at the height of a cycle of a credit of a business cycle, a credit cycle. Um, and, and we have, you know, completely contrary to the Keynesian 
idea that uh, when times are good, you would the revenues would come in and the government would balance its budget and you wouldn't have to keep piling debt on debt one cycle after the next. But that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, I mean, to me, it's pretty amazing when you think about uh, a 1% increase right now with over 20 trillion, 21.5 trillion or something like that of debt in the United States, you know, 1% increase, just a mere 1% increase adds to over 20 billion or 200 billion dollars a year to the deficit. And I was looking at a chart back in the, you know, long, long about early 70s, it was like, you know, it would be two or three or three or four billion, something like that. Now it's 200 billion. So it's just exponential, it seems, isn't it? I mean, and, and, um, and so if, if, if you tried to, to work this out or tried to, if, if the central banks tried to be responsible and allow all this debt to be liquidated, it would be so painful. I mean, it would almost be like a world-ending event, it seems. Well, the central banks actually have, um, they, they, they have a mandate to stop the system collapsing. Um, yeah, so right. they will do whatever it takes, in, in uh, Mr. Draghi's yeah. famous words, to, right. to stop that event happening, the apocalypse. Um, but it means um, that if we survive the next uh, cycle, um, uh, the next credit crisis, and I believe we will because whatever it takes will be deployed. In other words, as much money as it takes will be deployed. Yeah. Um, I mean, there may be accidents on the way, but um, we've got to admit that. But basically, if we have a working assumption that the central banks will rescue the system, then you have to ask yourself, what happens next? And uh, the only conclusion I can come to is that there will be a loss of confidence in paper currencies, which means that their purchasing power will decline. Um, and if you look at the dollar in particular, um, we still have enormous quantities of excess liquidity in the system, uh -huh. which was produced to rescue Lehman. That is still there. And um, the best way to, to, to visualize this is just imagine what uh, the bank reserves at the Fed were before the Lehman crisis. I think there was about one or two months where it was in excess of 10 billion. Wow. One or two months. That was it. Now we have the thick end of two trillion. I mean, it's, it's, it's come down below that. But this is the point. All that is just extra money. Now, it's not in public circulation in the no. sense that it's sitting on the Fed's balance sheet. Right. But the Fed is going to produce more money on the next crisis to rescue us from that crisis. It has already got, if you like, uncleared money sitting in the system <laughs> from the last crisis. So um, the only thing I can think is that the uh, destruction will primarily be of the dollar this time rather than anything else. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but I think when people wake up to the consequences of all this expansion of, uh, of, of money, then I think that uh, at that stage you will find that uh, you know, the inflation rate doesn't go down as it did uh, on the Lehman crisis. I mean, we had uh, uh, falling prices at one stage and they had to have cash for clunkers and so on and so forth to get people to right. buy autos and all the rest of it. This time, I don't think we're going to see um, uh, that deflationary uh, situation. I think what we're going to see is, um, uh, you know, inflation won't come down. 
inflation will probably go up somewhat and everybody will be doing a double take and think, my goodness, what is yes what what's what are tomorrow prices tomorrow's price is going to be? Right. Um, right. you know, the dollar in my pocket is not going to be worth as much tomorrow as it is today. And that's yeah. a very, very dangerous state of affairs to get into. That's when you can start the monetary velocity picking up, when people start to think, my goodness, I've got to get rid of this, this currency now. I better buy something that's going to keep its value. It uh, certainly should be bullish for tangibles like gold and silver, I would think, and uh, perhaps things that aren't as liquid as well, but tangible assets, right? So it, yeah, it could really right. start to you have all of that money pent up in the system that is uh, that if it escapes and starts to be used as a purchasing power, to the extent it does, uh, yeah, it's uh, well, well, well. So, but, yeah. but here's here's the interesting thing, uh, Jay. Um, that money doesn't need to be spent. Mm-hmm. All that has to happen is what happened. Um, what's happened in every hyperinflation, and that is that the public realizes that they must get rid of um, money, if you like. That mm-hmm. hold on, sorry. Okay. Um, so we're waiting for Alistair. Hopefully we'll get him back here. Um, he has talked about, one of the things I want to ask him about, if we get him back on here, uh, he made the statement that uh, Russia and China have a better understanding of the repercussions of anti-free market behavior than the so-called capitalist countries of America have. Um, and, um, and so that was one of the things I wanted to ask him about next. Uh, he also has made the statement, um, you know, really with regard to, and, and it sounds pretty apocalyptic that uh, we've been talking about with Alistair, but he's also made the statement that um, to retreat into the mountains and jungle hideaways to escape an, acopal- an apocalypse is a mistake. Um, so, yes, I, I think he's probably right because how many times a lot of us gold bucks have uh, been warning about the end of the world and Maybe we do things that we wouldn't that we're sorry we did. Maybe we bought too much gold and didn't buy stocks when the market turned around, or you know, a lot of different uh, things. If you take a view that the world is coming to an end and it's an apocalyptic uh, event, uh, then you behave differently than you would otherwise. I, I am back now. Oh, can you, good. Can you hear me? So I'm back. sorry about that. That's quite <laughs> all right. That's quite all right. Alistair, it's happened to me already, and this is one of the reasons. Before I start my show, I always unplug the phone. Just, just to make sure, but <laughs> we, 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 still have, uh, we still have some time here yet. So, uh, right. a- Alistair, I'm just sure. I, one of the things I want to ask you, we've talked about the credit cycle. You've talked about it before, and you felt that we're probably getting pretty close. Uh, you were talking, before we went on the air, you were talking about what the charts are suggesting in terms of U.S. interest rates. Uh, the 10-year, you suggested if we get over a little bit higher than where we are now, we could start having some real issues, you think, right? Uh, yes, that's right. I mean, you've only got to look at the chart. And if you if you plot on it, the 200-day moving average and the 50-day moving average, um, it, looks, it looks pretty awful. Um, it looks like um, uh, as soon as the uh, yield on the 10-year goes above 3.11, and it's at 3.10 tonight, then that's going to be new high ground and it looks like there will be very little to stop it running perhaps up to three and a half four percent and uh, that then becomes a very serious issue if i can um, just go back to what you were saying earlier about the rise in the cost of borrowing for the u.s government 
Right. That is that that threatens to turn things round, and if you if you bear in mind that um, uh, the the funders of U.S. Uh, government debt are predominantly foreign governments, uh, um, you can see that they might begin to think. Hold on a minute. Um, I'm not sure that we want any more U.S. Treasuries in our reserves, um, you know, if they're going down. And I think they could well indeed uh, withhold money from further investment in U.S. Treasuries, which which at the very least would uh, drive up yields up further. Uh, yes. And, and so we could be we could be very close here. I mean, we've had one of the longest uh, bull markets in equities that we've ever had. I think we maybe broke a record now, over 10 years in the U.S. anyway. Mm. Um, and uh, our Michael Oliver, who talks almost every week uh, from a, a momentum structural analysis that he uses, his technical analysis, is convinced that we're in a new bear market uh, yeah. for, the, for the debt instruments and that this is going to be a big one. Uh, so what does government and the central banks respond then by more stimulus, as you were saying, piling more debt on top of more debt? Every cycle becomes worse in terms of the ability to finance that debt because the debt isn't – it's not as if a dollar of debt is, is creating a dollar of income. It keeps getting worse, and the, the efficiency of new monetary stimulus becomes less and less effective. I believe you would agree with that over these cycles, right? Yes, no, that's, that, that is true. Um, uh, it's, you know, I mean, the answer basically is, uh, you know, that they have to stop printing money as a means of rescuing things. They've just got to let things fall over. But it's now got to such a state that uh, the whole banking system would fall over if the Fed didn't back it. And, um, you know, the, the, the knock-on effect of that on industry and everything else with a completely insolvent banking system, and we're not talking just America, we're talking globally, Right. Uh, it's just, uh, it's horrendous. So, they're, they're stuck in this debt trap. They've, you know, it's rather like, um, you know, you've gone to the payday lenders <laughs> and you're paying a thousand percent, but you've still got to get the money. It, you've still got to borrow the money because you've got bills to pay and all the rest of it. You know, what else could we do? sort of thing. It right. is uh, it is uh, a debt trap. It's as simple as that. And the debt trap is springing very firmly shut. All right, Alistair, you scared the bejeebers out of a lot of my listeners uh, with, with this talk about apocalypse. But you're mentioning in, in your article, apocalypse or not, it might not be, I mean, we got to put this in perspective. So with a minute and a half left here, put this in perspective. How should we behave? I mean, you were mentioning a lot of the uh, in one of your articles, you mentioned a lot of the the gold bugs. They run for the hills. Uh, you're suggesting be a little more yeah. careful. I mean, basically, basically, there is in America, you've got preppers. And, yep. uh, you know, as I understand it, the preppers go and buy tins of baked beans and tins of bully beef. And, they, you know, they retreat to a cave in the mountains and they shut right. themselves off the world or whatever. Now, that is not the way to behave. Obviously, protect yourself and all the rest of it because uh, law and order breaks down under those circumstances. We've seen that in Russia recently, for example. We see that in Venezuela now. But the only way that you get a solution to these things is to cooperate on a social basis and um, so I think that uh, if, if things really get as bad as they possibly could be then I think that's one thing that we must bear in mind I mean we will have friends we will have relatives yeah. they will be in difficulty we have to help them we have to work yeah. with them and yeah. we work with them on a local basis um, right. you know, not on a governmental basis. I, I got you. I think we're going to have to leave it go at that because we're out of time. Uh, all the things we wanted to talk about, go to goldmoney.com and, and read Alistair's articles. Uh, you can read them there and, and pick up 
uh, on the uh, on the ideas that we didn't have time to get to today. That is all the time we have this week. Next week, uh, Ronald Storfel is going to be with me. He's responsible for the annual publication of In Gold We Trust. Uh, Amir Adnani of Gold Mining, and also um, I'm going to be hopefully talking to Michael Oliver again. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 